Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? So deep on this little journey we are doing mm-hmm. that the two movies are even starting to make sense together. Yeah, no, this is not only are they making sense together, they're also making sense in the context of double feature. This is so the movies today we're doing uh, the Man from Deep River on the exploitation side, and we're doing In My Skin on the French extreme side. But this pair could easily have ended up on the show completely extraneously from the journey. Oh, but we're inside a journey. That's right. The journey to you lay people, to you people who have not been following along. It was such just that you lay people. (laughs) Who doesn't know what the journey is? Come on. You fools who have been sleeping on the best thing we've done in 14 years. We're doing a sort of multi-episode arc exploring themes too big to be contained into a single episode. So on in one corner, we have a deep dive into the what's-its of exploitation and the weathers of exploitation. Every genre, by the right. way, every sub-genre sure. that I haven't seen more than 30 films <laughs> of. That's kind of the, the bar. And then on the other side, uh, in some way, you know, it's really interesting, but so we're doing the uh, French extreme, which is the exploitation side of the journey spans 50 years. <laughs> The uh, French extreme side of the journey spans five minutes, two and a half years yeah. of of cinema. So funny! It's really interesting to sort of like digest these movements. I think we might have a decade, you know, maybe yeah, a decade be, would be like kind of pushing it, yeah. But yeah, so so that's what we're doing. Uh, the we'll, we'll talk exploitation with the man from Deep River. We're going to talk cannibal exploitation. Um, namely of the Italian variety, but for a specific reason. And then uh, then we're talking In My Skin, which the greatest thing is, you know, with these exploitation movies, I have to be like, it's Italian, but it's American, but it's neither. And with French Extreme, it's like, it's French, it's extreme. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, we've been all over the map on these other episodes. We started with the Criminal Lovers show, and I won't, we're doing so many of these this year, I won't run through them all. But we are going to talk about some of the uh, the topics that you you probably want the backstory on. And if you haven't heard that little run of shows, I think this is the fourth one. Start with Criminal Lovers way back toward the beginning of the year, second episode of the year, I think. And it'll catch you up to speed on what we're doing. And also the the kind of uh, strange spoiler line we're walking here. Right. That's on you this time. In my skin, you know, you just get the DVD, you go on your Netflix, whatever you got to do. You probably can't stream In My Skin, but you order a DVD on Netflix, as we discovered you can still do last time, and it's the Mm -hmm. best way to do this journey. Yeah, right. But yeah, The Man from Deep River, I was like, uh, I'm, you know, literally the first thing I did, Mm -hmm. I opened my web browser, 
And I'm like, oh, I need to watch The Man from Deep River. Archive.org. <laughs> and I type, I, no kidding. It's the first that usually I'll go yeah. to like justwatch.com. I'll yeah. fuck around on Letterboxd. I'll just start stabbing at services. I'll ask Siri. Mm-hmm. But I have literally been trained for this journey that your movie <laughs> is going to be on archive.org. <laughs> And uh, that was not the case this time. I, no. I didn't even know how to watch a movie. Right. <laughs> I was suddenly like fucking lost. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll be a little maybe a little lighter on the spoilers from. Yeah, I mean we're we're gonna talk more. There's we're gonna talk really about cannibal exploitation at large. So we'll be super light on the man from Deep River spoilers. Although the title spoils at least one thing. And there's also multiple titles that spoil other things. Yeah, we're so we're right kind of getting into the into the um, subject matter already. But even just calling it a Campbell movie at the time is like a little bit of a twist. Sure. So it sort of reveals. I mean, if you already know it's a Campbell movie, then you're about as spoiled as you could get on that one. Yeah. I think you'll be okay. I think you'll be okay to stick with the show today. Um, we are firmly halfway through our journey. If you want to see it have its final climax um patreon.com forward slash double feature bring us bring us to a triumphant climax bring eric and oh i to God. a nice triumphant climax at patreon.com forward slash double feature yeah for just a couple dollars a month i can't imagine you getting climaxes for any less than that <laughs> honestly i i'd uh, be lucky the, to get from, a good latte for less than that so what's I don't the know. line from uh dust till dawn um if you can find cheaper pussy anywhere else, fuck it. That's, oh, yeah, uh, that is. Oh, God, I forgot that movie. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that movie just goes for it, you know, from <laughs> dusk till dawn, Jesus Christ. All right, well, you know, we can't get too easily offended here on the exploitation uh, right. beginning of the show. Um, Patreon.com forward slash double feature. Just want to make sure we hit that. The Man from Deep River has a couple alternate titles. I feel like yep. it's worth just for the people who are desperately trying to watch along with us here. One is what, Savages or Savages? Probably <laughs> just Savages. Just, I don't know why I decided <laughs> to go it? for that. <laughs> it's uh, Italian. Ciao, ciao. Uh, deep River Savages, I think is the, yeah. it's the, the, how deep the river is, is very important. They stuck yeah. with that. They're the, like, well, the river depth. Yeah. If we don't, the man is what's, the man is what's not selling the ticket. for debate. Yeah. <laughs> the other one is just sacrifice. Exclamation That's I knew there was a one word. There was a one word. Yeah. Yeah. So with the reason that I wanted to do man from deep river and you know, the beauty and the, the, the horror of doing exploitation is that, Every exploitation genre has a subgenre that there's an expanse of films from, right? I mean, this is, uh, you'd be hard pressed. I could, off the top of my head, name five other cannibal movies. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, there's the big one, Cannibal Holocaust, which we've already covered. But even so, I don't think that would have been the one I picked for this. The reason I picked Man from Deep River is actually because, like The Wild Angels, like Blackula, like Marijuana, uh, it was the first one. It was the one that started. So, you know, I talk about this a lot, but if you think about the grunge music craze in the early 90s, you know, grunge came out of Seattle and that was, you know, it wasn't, but let's say it was Nirvana. And then suddenly the A&R uh, record label people descended on Seattle and were like, this is making money. Just let's do all of it. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what happens in exploitation is, some visionary or lack thereof 
will do the first film in a subgenre. In this case, they do the first cannibal movie, right? The first savage cannibal movie of, you know, whatever. And so this was the first one. This was the one that people went, wait, people want to watch cannibals? Well, let's do, let's do fucking cannibal Ferox. Let's do cannibal Holocaust. Let's do mountain of the cannibal God. And it's funny that you bring up the titles early because one of the things that you may have noticed is common among the other titles I listed is the fucking word cannibal, Yeah, which is probably why they had to retitle this so many times is because nobody had thought to go, just call it fucking the man gets eaten by cannibals and watch it sell tickets oh yeah well i mean now in retrospect you'd obviously just call it cannibal mm-hmm. that would be, and you'd be like oh we're the first one or or you right. you you know you really play to the fans and you call it cannibal too right and then you just make people search around <laughs> for what the fuck yeah <laughs> yeah and then the fact there's barely any cannibalism in it is like somehow even better you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah do we want to log line this one and maybe we can kind of talk oh, yeah. about this it is, as the this start is super easy super easy log line um an affluent white Englishman disappears into the wilds of of Malaysia, Burma, mm. and is kidnapped by a, by a savage tribe of not cannibals. That's the interesting. That's the, interesting. Uh-huh. And upon trying to escape, falls in love with one of these savage women. Um, she doesn't seem that savage. I mean, they're all... Well, listen... Nobody has Beyond Meat there yet, but... We just have to call everybody savages. He calls his unborn child a savage, just <laughs> for the record of, the like, the temperature of... Movie, of yeah. The temperature of, of English whiteness that this movie that this movie operates at is he, he endearingly calls his unborn child, my little savage, just like his mother, as if, you know, nature versus nurture goes out the window. Cause he's going to oh be a little God. Brown. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Look, I'm dying to ask you about a bunch of that stuff, mm-hmm. but like spill the, the cannibal war on me for a bit here, because I want to make sure we have a good foundation <laughs> while we are checking the genre. But fear not, I do want to get into the, the difficult task at hand today. The cannibal, the, and the cannibal sort of subgenre actually spun off of, um, it spun off of these movies called Mondo movies, which we're going to cover on this journey. But basically what happens in exploitation, like the arc of exploitation is we talk about these taboos, right? And we talked about um, black exploitation and black culture being sort of like an othered culture that becomes cinematically appropriate. Same with bikers, same with drug culture, and these are all othered cultures. And much like, much like American audiences always do, we depleted our resources locally. Mm-hmm. We went, we're out of othered cultures that we want to exploit where can we put white people and exploit other things? And that's when, you know, the mysteries of the Orient of like, we're not doing Kung Fu, but like, that's where Kung Fu comes from, right? The mystery of the Orient or the, the, the people who, who, who are still uncivilized, untouched by, by modern society, these savages that still live in, in South America and in Southeast Asia and, that's that's really where like cannibal movies come from but it's also fun because this is also on the heels of spaghetti westerns where italian filmmakers went well listen we kind of want a piece of the action we need a piece of the pie yeah because importantly we're no longer a show talking about american exploitation right 
Right. This is suddenly like, oh, it's taking over. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? Is exploitation has slowly just become, it's just become a cinematic movement, not an American movement. Mm-hmm. But again, when you start, you when you, much like we're going to talk about consistently with these French extreme movies, when you look at a culture that's not your own, their versions of exploitations are different because it's not like you're going to see pasta exploitation yeah. coming out of Italy. They're going to exploit a different thing. And there's all these, there's like a whole separate journey of like watching other countries exploit things that are exploitative to their nation. Like there's, yeah. there's this, there's a whole subgenre called Austerns of Russians doing American Westerns. There's just all this bizarre, like deep, weird exploitation that started spinning out right around the time of man from deep river. And it's just interesting to think of, you know, you think of these cannibal movies, you picture cannibal Holocaust. For me, I always think of mountain of the cannibal God, which we haven't covered on the show, but it's, you know, it's the Americanized one, right? It's when mm-hmm. Americans went, let's do one. And it's like Stacy Keach and cannibals. Um, the move there would have been Godzilla. You just take an Italian one and just cut to an American guy who happens to right. be around for the, <laughs> for real. the cannibal action. <laughs> cannibal Holocaust almost has a formula that would kind of like sure. kind of work for that. That's true. It's funny, but it's it's always just amazing to me because when we're we're constantly in hindsight with this whole journey for both for both sides mm-hmm. of 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 the of the of the path and to think that somebody to think that man the the headspace that's so fascinating to me and and it's really going to give us a good springboard to talk about what you want to get to is that this wasn't archetypical in any way this was somebody this was somebody blazing new cinematic ground it's weird, right? Even with the other cannibal stuff that we've seen, I do feel like there are things in this movie that read as like, oh, that's a strange choice. Yeah. Knowing that I'm stumbling backwards watching it for the first time, right. having seen all this, you know, yeah, other, exactly. other tried and worn out cannibal cinema. Right. So it's 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 amazing to, you know, you say something like you mentioned something about how the film has minimal minimal actual cannibalism and we talked about how the title doesn't use the word cannibal, but the reality is this movie wasn't being a cannibal movie. I did yeah. air quotes. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> it it was just being a fucking movie about the savage nature of uncivilized brown and yellow people. All right, all right. I see you want to talk about it. Well, and the other thing I was going to say, you know, I kind of like this uh, talk about the entire genre by pointing out what's different in this one specific movie. Yeah. It's, it's sort of interesting. But I also thought it was weird that we're introduced to this and it's just one guy. Right. You know, I think about the the dynamics of the group as being so integral to the, like the character interplay is important to all these movies. Mm-hmm. And not just Cannibal Holocaust, but like even you know, Blair Witch or something. Sure. The indoctrination part of this, or uh, I don't know, it's a lot more positive than that. It's just like the the sort of finding a new home element or whatever that that we're leading into here. Like it reminds me a lot more of something like Wicker Man. Right, right. You know, than it does uh, a lot of the things that were either in the cannibal genre or came out of it afterwards. So that... That automatically read as weird. So I knew we were in kind of a different trope or a different, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, archetype, whatever. I'm I'm feeling very loose today, so let's just call out what some of this (laughs) stuff is. But, um, you know, but I've stalled around the tough stuff long enough that I feel like we just got to 
So there's this kind of story. Yes. There's an outsider. He comes in. He finds this tribe. He falls in love. And together they escape. Mm -hmm. And we can call this whatever, you know, Pocahontas dances with wolves, Avatar. And certainly during the 70s, uh, we were, I feel like actually, as each decade goes on, we tell the story less up to the point where by the time we were doing Avatar, people were specifically calling out the earlier films. Like it, it wasn't even a, um, you know, the first time somebody does it, it's original. The second time it's a copy. The third time it's a genre, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So by the time we got to Avatar, it was a copy again. You know, people mm -hmm. were trying to call it out as if this wasn't just every other fucking movie like it had been right. decades before. Sure. So, I guess the question I want to get to is like, I always felt gross and I have been feeling pretty good this whole exploitation run. Mm -hmm. We even talked about black exploitation before and as a piece of cinematic history. And I thought, you know, I, I felt like that was going to be a lot more dangerous. But at the end of the day, like you love the movies, you love the actors. It's something interesting. As an observer of the cinema, I don't feel like a moral participant. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we've been digging around on some of this dubious morality. Mm -hmm. But there is something in mainstream cinema that's always felt kind of gross to me that is not the same for older generations. And, uh, and that is, you know, it's Planet of the Apes. Sure. And... I guess because when I started working in the film industry, I fell in with a lot of makeup artists. They had this this great reverence for Planet of the Apes. They talked about it all the time. And I'd seen Planet of the Apes a lot more times than I'm, you know, genuinely interested in say it's fine or whatever, right? But like I wouldn't the Mark Wahlberg one, right? I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't have seen it so many fucking times, but people around me are just watching Planet of the Apes all the time. And uh it just feels like a little ickier every time I see it. The sort of, you know, they're captured with, the, it's Charlton Heston and he's captured with the savage girl and there's like some weird kind of miscegenation breeding something going on. Like, I don't know. It's mm -hmm. not on the surface. The surface of Planet of the Apes is in the clear. Mm -hmm. But there's just something going on in the kind of, maybe it's in the structure, maybe it's where the film comes from. And then I felt it again watching The Man from Deep River. This sort of like, I, I mean, you were hip to that stuff, right, from your log line. It's like, <laughs> you know, white dude goes in, he can't uh, colonize the whole fucking place on his own. <laughs> he falls in love with the one woman who like, you know, even the representation, I love the way uh, Italian cinema was done back then. That's Another big part of the cannibal genre for mm -hmm. me is we're seeing it like through almost through a proxy or something mm -hmm. because there's like for us as Americans, we're watching Italian cinema, which wouldn't be that weird, but it's also dubbed just because of how they made them and that's it. Right. You know, it's strange and then they're going somewhere else. Yep. So it starts to feel really dirty when you watch it. Like you're seeing something you're not supposed to and it's two or three times removed. Mm -hmm. And it's about this guy going in. And the way they make the movie is like both schlocky and beautiful. That was another mm -hmm. great part of these is they're like high art, low art combos. Right. And uh, and so the savages are really dirty, you know? Right. They're, um, here I am just like casually using the word savage now. That's where we're at with this movie. 
but you know they're made up to be really gruff and then there's the one woman who is you know made to look very pretty right and i'm like oh fuck i know where this this movie's going right mm-hmm. so something about the kind of i don't know there's something there's something in the cannibal water that's making me feel gross i don't know what it is mm-hmm. you have some well, guesses i mean yeah how do you feel about this like dances with wolves kind of thing dude it's i'll tell you Compared to the other entries in the white savior genre, like Pocahontas, <laughs> the, bar, the bar for this. <laughs> oh my God. But you know, you got Pocahontas, Avatar, Dances with Wolves, all of those movies, like compared to, compared to Man from Deep River, like it's way less, Man from Deep River is way less white saviory. It's a little mm. bit more like colonistic. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's very Weird much how this, often that's coming up. On yeah, these shows. It, it's very much this, like this, there's like a, a colonistic element to it, but I don't get the, I don't ever see this as a movie where clean white Englishman enters savage tribe. And because white Englishman was injected into savage tribe, savage tribe benefits as a, as a whole. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't aid the tribe. He, you know, he he fucks a girl. She dies because his child, his child savage, somehow makes her blind and die. And in that way, he is not the same white savior as fucking John Smith, who you know, or or even more, you know, it's it's always very bizarre because the the rest of the subgenre is white savior enters stage left white savior's faction enters stage right mm-hmm. and thank god white savior was here to stop the faction from killing the people in the middle that's the piece that's missing from from man from deep river which you called out at the beginning is he's the only guy that stands yeah. to die and if he dies in any of these tribal situations whether it's like his tour guide who mysteriously dies like in deliverance or or he gets eaten or he gets a disease uh the tribes are fucking fine yeah i think maybe it's the world exploitation element of it then that's a of little course. like on uh well sure you know we've been talking about the video nasties on every one of these now um i think we have a proper video nasty this one is one of them yeah this time yeah mm-hmm. um which appealed its rate well some other time some other time <laughs> i mean the other thing too that's really important to hit on this before we move on because this is going to be consistent through the next few entries of the exploitation side of the journey is the other thing that exploitation creators were hungry for is excuses to have naked people on the screen. Oh yeah, that's true. I didn't so you know you've talked before about the the National Geographic element of this right. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it's weird. It's there's a lot that's in the mix on these. This is mm-hmm. actually the more we look at cannibal movies in general, the more complicated they get mm-hmm. because it's sort of like where's the moral line on what's being exploited? At what point are we just doing a horror movie because it is, you know, the scare of cannibalism? Here there's there's this layered extra twist in that the tribe he's with is not the cannibal tribe. Then we have the animal violence on top of it, which I think mm-hmm. where a lot of the video nasty stuff came in. Uh, although, as we've discussed before, those movies were, they, they might as well have been just titles drawn out of a fucking hat to ban. <laughs> so there's so much baggage there. But, you know, then by the time we're doing something like Midsummer, 
we're taking this kind of, um, you know, the trying to think of the most modern, you know, I'm thinking of like Green Inferno, obviously, as a cannibal movie. But we're taking that kind of setup or those elements, and then we're trying to remove race entirely because I think I almost look at Midsummer as like a production acknowledgement that the racial component of this is just troubling. I don't I I don't want to use a word like problematic but like literally generating problems. Mm-hmm. You know, like I still feel like we're looking back at these movies and going like was this stuff wrong if it's not done you have to walk such a thin line to escape from this without right committing a morally indecent act, <laughs> I guess. Right. And doing something wrong, you know, like when you're when you're telling this kind of story, you're walking a, a thin uh, a thin line. And I think as we progress as a fucking species, that line gets thinner and thinner. I think on a long enough trajectory, mm-hmm. we're gonna look at the cannibal films and just be like, oh my god, what were we doing there? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's yeah, um, I, it's an odd one to be the the weirdest. Like to give me the most mixed feelings of any of the sure the subgenres, especially because I'm such a fucking cannibal Holocaust champion. But right, all right, let's talk about another. Uh, I don't know, cannibal movie. I don't know, sort of. This you know, it's, it's body horror in some way. Okay, um. fascinating, fascinating. In my skin, which I won't even try the French because I I embarrass myself every time. I'm going to get more French shy with each entry of this. So look, I spent so long telling everybody on this show that, hey, French Extreme isn't just like, you know, some skin-eating horror movies. Right. I think that's literally the fucking phrase I would use. So it's finally time to talk about one of those movies. Mm-hmm. Not that the genre has changed or that there's a, a flip happening now, but for the first time, I think we're seeing one of these movies that may be more easily defined as horror mm-hmm. than it's an excuse to call it horror. It's one of those movies that at least has a couple horror tableaus in the same way that Audition has horror tableaus, right? Mm. Uh, I wouldn't myself ever call Audition a horror movie. I feel like I'm in the minority of that. But in that same vein, I can see this being certainly more of a horror movie than you know, any of the other things we've covered so far on the French extreme side. It's still in a gray area. All of these really are in a gray area until we start getting to like some of the hard, I mean, I don't know, you know, the genre conversation is always like, it's just all a big fucking gradient. But think about the fact that like, first thing you thought is body horror. Mm -hmm. When you're trying to describe what is this movie and where's it fucking around, you start reaching out for okay so what are some other elements what are some what are subgenres you know what kind of stories uh, have other people told that have overlapped and i realize that i'm going to body horror first even if it's light on the horror i'm literally using a genre a subgenre with fucking horror right in the the name of it mm-hmm. and i'm thinking of a lot of references of you know to me trying to explain how this fits into the drama side is a little harder than like the immediate conversation I want to have, which is like, oh my God, this tiny subgenre that we all love talking about that has so few filmmakers. Look, here's one right here. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, think about how little, you know, body horror is such a cool thing to talk about. It's so theme heavy. But I feel like, I feel like Cronenberg himself made more body horror movies as a single director than there are other directors doing body horror movies. For sure. Yeah. Numerically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a lot of that, you know, like the Soska one came to mind. And, you know, I mean, that's a, it's a David Cronenberg uh, remake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, you can't like try writing the book on body horror and not mentioning Cronenberg. It's ridiculous. You know, it's so much of the conversation. I mean, I believe it starts and ends with Cronenberg until somebody follows up Possessor. So this is extremely notable outside of this conversation about French extreme, but it does for me with our conversation mean, wow, is it time to address the horror in this series? So this is a movie. If you haven't seen this, this is another one. I know I say this every time, but I really, really love this movie. This is uh really kind of went out of my way to find the movies that either really had something important to contribute to our figuring out the genre conversation or were just total fucking slam dunks. And so here is a a movie where uh, long after it was over, I'm thinking about it, talking to, uh, to people about it, trying to figure it out. Okay, so having said all that and getting into a little bit of the plot stuff, this is a film about a woman who is, I would say, rather young, young in the business world, just got a new um, a new promotion at work. You almost describe it like the, the sort of, uh, you know, really popular romantic comedy trailer mm-hmm. of like 15 mm-hmm. years ago, like the woman who had it all, great job sure. living in the city, you know, like everything's going great. Right. When one day she realizes she has this sort of already tough, fetish, this sort of uh, fascination with herself, this sort of... So as she's starting to realize in the story that there are places she's unsatisfied, she finds this kind of fucking electricity in damage committed to her body. Mm -hmm. And that leads to some really uh, sort of explicit, you know, kind of um, hybrid self-mutilation erotica elements and that is uh i don't know you got a cleaner log line than that i mean no it's no uh, i mean that's that's pretty it's definitely a movie where you're watching it and as as the developments go on you're kind of like oh fuck where is this movie i mean that's what's literally happening on the screen i think the metaphor is it's actually also just as easily cut and dry which is you know when you have it all and everything is in front of you and you you can you know every when every door is open in front of you you want to jump the, out the window instead well no hey, but what's the going only, on at this window over here the only one that will destroy you is yourself oh sure sure and that's literally what this is 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 when you know i there's there's um i recently heard a discussion about uh, i wish i could remember where i where i heard this cuz somebody's going to listen to this and be like you didn't make that up but so i'm just i didn't come up with this but i recently heard this discussion about how um uh how human beings connect to each other's existence through suffering like that's the one thing we all have in common 
um, that human beings all suffer in some capacity at some point. And that's like really across the board, like one of the major unifiers of humanity. Oh my God, you are so speaking my language right now. And, and so to- Is this a text I wrote to you that you, <laughs> you read? But, but so then if you take this movie into account, she has essentially ascended beyond social suffering. She, is, she has gotten above- the wallows of society and planet earth forcing her to suffer, meaning the only person who can make her suffer now is herself. Yeah. So she's got to like, you know, stab her severed arm or whatever. It's made a lot more complicated by how we see the, the different elements. Like we kind of arrive in scenes with something having happened without a lot of clarity around it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like we're sort of told, oh, this happened, or the, I'm thinking about like uh, the car accident scene, you know, and without real, like we, we really could have spent time watching her thought process or watching what unfolded, but there's kind of a mystery. I mean, there's definitely a mystery added by not seeing some of the events, but I think thematically, even it adds mystery to, okay, what is this really talking about? Because if we get, You know, this is a movie that's primarily focused with the central character, which I love. I always love that in movies, and I think it's so well done here. And so how do you spend so much time with the main character without completely unraveling all of the mystery behind? Because you need mystery for engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, especially something like this, you want to know like, okay, so here's a person making weird decisions. Why is she making them? And if you spell that out too much for people, I think it loses part of the real magic of this movie. You know, I saw this and I I felt like, okay, this is really a special movie. And a big part of that comes down to the persistent need to unravel what's going on in her mind, which is, you know, various rewatches. And it's the kind of thing that that could make you obsess over it. We should talk about, so the, the movie stars Marina Devon, who was in the film See the Sea that I mentioned way mm-hmm, on the first mm-hmm. episode. Yep. Arguably, like if I really had to make a point of where the new French extremity started, that would be the one that I like to circle. If you haven't seen See the Sea, uh, it's the same director as Criminal Lovers and mm-hmm. look that up. But she was in that. She has an incredible role in it. And she was the co-writer of Eight Women, which is another movie that's come up. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to see that these filmmakers, while they're not part of any kind of collective, there is some cross-pollination going on between these movies. She not only starred in this, but she wrote it and she directed it. Mm-hmm. And so as a director star, it really is a character movie, an acting movie, And a lot of times when we see those, you don't get such a strong stylized element like, you know, body horror is very visual. It's thematic and there's, there's a lot to, uh, to talk about with it, but it's also, you know, you're going to watch something weird. You're going to see some icky stuff. You're going to see a lot of the, the filmmaking chops, Mm -hmm. how they create tension or sort of create a, a gross thing. And I think there is some real, like, no kidding, like some low-key mastery in some of these scenes. Mm -hmm. The fucking, um, the dinner scene. Yeah. You know, 
That's the tableau. That's the that's the fucking that's the burlap sack of the movie. It's so good. It's so good. Mm -hmm. You know, you take a mundane scene and with a small addition, just something so small, it has an unforgettable tension all of a sudden. And it keeps going. There's just these uh these further complexities as a you know, that scene has a, a single deliberate surreal element. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of looking at it and you know it's surreal by the way everybody else is reacting, but it's still the tension of like, okay, so we're watching this really through her perspective. In the close-up, we cut out to wider shots, we go to other characters' perspective and we still see her arm and we're kind of like, okay, this is how they're, they're really showing us the movie in her reality. But then there's also, as that scene carries on, man, like the fucking food, Mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, kind of like matching the body, you're really deep inside her fetish at a level that like maybe you didn't even sign up for, you know, you're the, the things that you're hearing and the food that you're seeing, you're suddenly like, oh, I'm understanding something without even knowing intellectually how to understand it because of how it feels. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't really put my finger on, I don't draw as direct a line as you do on on the sort of why, the what and why of the movie. Sure. But I still feel like when I get in those moments, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm feeling what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, the the instinct and the, the guiding, uh, I never question the reason, I guess, of why she then performs the next obscene, crazy thing. I think a lot of that too is also the the sensuality of the movie. Like it, it makes a lot of this weird body and um, I don't know violence, gore, whatever you want to call it. It makes a lot of it relatable through its comparison to other things. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, so right after the. Um, it's shortly after the dinner scene. It might be the next scene, but it just. Oh, it is, because she sees the the hotel from the window. 10 out of 10 fucking nails the sensuality in that scene. She goes back to her hotel, and what you see in that scene really is like you're watching sultry makeout get erotic. Mm-hmm. You know, like the most sensual of movies where we've ever seen a scene where two characters are going at it. But that's not what you're watching at all. You're not right. even watching her like this is not uh you know, we talk in cinema about, you know, the love making scenes. We talk in cinema about self love. We want to get really pretentious about it. Like you're not doing that even here. This is really mutilation. This is a self mutilation scene. And it's done with so much sensuality. You you really can't even argue. I don't know, it's it's hard to put an audience behind a character making such crazy decisions. Mm-hmm. And just because of the utter craftsmanship of the movie, I feel like you're you're right there in that position of like understanding, acknowledging, and sort of supporting these really bizarre and grotesque things. Yeah, it's definitely one of the like most oddly relatable movies so far on the French extreme side, I think. Weird, right? Yes. Because from the horror angle, it's also like it should be right. far and away the least uh least relatable. I also think by showing people things that they've never seen before or things that are so out of this world, you sort of force them to to look for relatability. 
you know, we were talking about this uh, this dinner scene, and yeah, it gets surreal and it's so bizarre, and you can't believe where it goes, and all these different sound cues and the food and all of this. But at the same time, this almost feels like a rote scene where you're at a dinner party, it's super boring, you venture off into your own world, and then, you know, the scene ends when somebody goes, Michael, Michael, and you don't have the answer because you weren't paying attention. It's just that scene, but it creates this whole other world and we just totally fucking fall into it. Uh, These are, you know, reasons I love in my skin and we should talk about what's happening next time on Double Feature. You a little hungry? I'm a little hungry. Um, oh my God. <laughs> the website is doublefeature.fm, the other website. The website that will keep this journey going till the end of the year is patreon.com forward slash double feature. You, if you, if you want to keep this journey alive, which this is a really good journey, guys. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have been around for the other journeys, but this is what a good one feels like. Oh, this is the bar. So we have, uh, we have, we have a lot of good ideas to to finish this one out, and we could use your help on the Patreon. Hey, we have some good Patreons, patrons, Patreons. I'll never. I really. I got to read some white papers or something here. Executive producers. Thank you. It's Charles Crawford, Ben Acker, Brad Parker, and Yoakum Vernon. All right. Thanks for keeping the show going, guys. Thanks, guys. Um, So uh, next time we see you, it'll be next year. So, you know, thanks for a calendar year of double feature. It's not like the actual end of the The year. year. It'll be in six or seven days. Yeah, okay. But uh, it's uh, it's the end of the year. And then, you know, not really because we started this show in the middle of the summer, apparently. And so that's when our show wraps around. Um, So next time on Double Feature... We're going to talk about um, sewing. We had too much fun today. (laughs) Come back tomorrow for sewing. Uh, Come back next week for sewing. Uh, We are going to do, we're going to do Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread, which is a movie that I've really, I've really wanted to watch for some reason. I think it's just because I can't believe there's a movie about this. That's good. (laughs) It's about sewing. And then uh, then we're pairing that with a movie called In Fabric, which is like sort of a horror movie. It's an English horror movie. Yeah. So tune in next week for Phantom Thread and In Fabric. Watch more fucking film. And also bye. <laughs>